It's good to see you all. Thanks, mate. I just realized I don't have any jokes for you this morning, Kim. So, how good is it to be with people? Yeah, it's good to be in church. Who's missed gathering together? Yeah, who's enjoyed the sleep in? Come on, I see those hands. It's good to be back in church. Who here would say that there's an impossibility that they're facing? Maybe, maybe it's a physical thing that, that you need a healing, or there's just something in your life where it's like, hey, except God step in and solve this, there's no other solution. Who, who would say they're in that position? Yeah. There's hands pretty much 50%, if not more, of people here would say that right now, we need God to step in and do a miracle in our lives. And maybe you don't have your hand up. That's an amazing place to be in. There will be a time when you'll have a challenge. You'll have a difficulty in your life where you'll need God and you'll, you'll be saying to the Lord, would you do something in my life? I've got an impossibility and I need you to step into this place. This morning I want to talk about faith. About one and a half weeks ago, I had a dream, and in this dream, I was at a friend's funeral. Don't worry, none of you guys were the friend, but I was at this friend's funeral, and of course, we were celebrating life, but there's disappointment, there's grief, and that was going on through the funeral as we remembered this person, and Right at the end of the funeral, there was this song that was being played, and it's a song that I'm actually not very familiar with, but in the dream I was particularly familiar with, and that's a song written by Chris Quayler from Jesus Culture called Miracles. And this song was being played, remember, in my dream at the end of the funeral. And probably halfway through the song, Something just gripped me and I stood up. I began to declare this song. The chorus says, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. It says, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. And in the dream, I stood up, which probably wasn't appropriate for a funeral, and I started to jump up and down. I started to declare that I believed in him. Even though we were here witnessing, celebrating somebody's death, amongst disappointment, there was a declaration that I believed in him. I believed in him. He was a God of miracles. And then I awoke and I wasn't even familiar what the title was, but I grabbed my phone and I YouTubed it. I played it. And I laid there in bed as I listened to this song and the presence of God just filled that place. And it was literally like I got a vaccination from God of faith. It was just straight in the arm of faith. Maybe it was particularly for this season. Maybe it's something I'm about to walk through. I don't know, but the point was that the Lord was speaking to me about maybe there's things that I once believed in and I, and I haven't been. But he was encouraging me through this dream and this season to believe God. 
probably a couple of weeks before that, I heard a sermon about faith and it really spoke to me deeply. And then around this same time, every passage I was reading was just sticking out to me about faith, about the privilege, about the, the, the absolute privilege it is to be a believer, to be in the faith, to actually believe God for something we cannot see. Sometimes we think that, oh, here we've got a promise from God. It's like over here. That's the promise. That's like what it's going to be. And we're over here in reality world. And we're like trying to get there. Sometimes we view faith as like a pretty cool guy that makes the journey a bit fun. And it's like, hey, me and faith, we're just, we're going to go. And hey, I can do the journey with or without faith. It's like sometimes we have that mindset. But I'd like to propose to you this morning that faith is actually the delivery system to get from here to where God has promised. It's not meant to be an option. It's not just this cool guy that we we have fun with, but faith is actually the way that we move from, from here, reality, to where God has promised. There's a verse in the Bible that concerns me. There's a lot, but one of them is this. Jesus actually said, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? This morning, he's looking for faith. Jesus is looking for faith. And because of the value that he places on faith, sometimes it can, it can make us feel inadequate. Because when we look inside, it's like, I don't have much faith. And we feel inadequate. We sometimes feel like, well, where is our faith? I'd like to propose this morning that the faith that he has given you is enough to face the thing that you're currently facing. You don't need to find, you don't need to receive any more faith. Let me say it this way. The scripture says that to every person has been given a measure of faith. That means that measure of faith, whatever size it is, is enough to face the challenge, the difficulty, whatever it is in front of you. Actually, Jesus goes on and says in Matthew, I think it's chapter 17, he's talking to his disciples and he actually goes on further and explains this. And he actually says, hey, if you even have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move that mountain. This is incredible. What he's saying is even the smallest measure of faith, which is the size of a mustard seed, actually has the capacity to move mountains. It's incredible. Right now, your issue is not with your faith. I would like to propose this morning that there's a thing that actually dilutes our faith. There's a thing that actually takes away its potency and that's called unbelief. The issue is not with our faith because Jesus said, even if you have the faith, the size of a mustard smear, the, the, the smallest measure of faith, it has the capacity to move mountains. The smallest amount of faith has a capacity to move that obstacle that's in front of you in your life right now. Even if it's mountain-sized problems. But the issue is with unbelief.
quite a few months ago, we, deci- we decided to, we're going to, like everybody else around COVID first hit, we decided to do a veggie garden because we thought like that was going to be the big solution to, you know, the world ending and everything. Um, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but we decided to do a veggie garden and so we cleared some ground. There was some existing grass. We cleared it and had a nice patch of dirt. We got some nutrients and we dug that into the soil and we planted some plants. How many know that these freshly planted plants had beautiful sunlight, they had nutritious soil, and they had water? And initially they were thriving. These plants absolutely loved it. But as soon as I turned the soil over, as soon as I added the nutrients in, added the water, it was like every weed in the neighborhood moved into my garden. And I'm thinking, there wasn't even these weeds here to start with. It was just grass. Every single weed known to mankind was living in that patch of dirt. All of a sudden, I had these weeds that were sucking the nutrients away from the plants. I had these weeds that were sucking the water source from the plants. Some of them actually started to grow to such an extent that they were blocking the sunlight to get to these plants. This is the effect that unbelief has in our life and with our faith. We've been given this potent, powerful measure of faith. And oftentimes we allow seeds of unbelief, seeds of doubt to come and they land in our garden. And before long we can have a garden, we can have a patch of dirt whereby the the weeds are actually affecting the potency of the faith. How's everyone going? The issue is not with your faith, it's this unbelief, these seeds of doubt, these seeds of unbelief that come and settle in our life. We better open the scriptures. Mark chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 9, verse 14, I'm going to start reading from. Um, I love this passage. It would be one of my favorites. Um, the Lord speaks to me often from it. And the context here is that Jesus has gone away with a couple of his disciples and he's left the other disciples at this place and there's a desperate father that comes with a demonized boy and he brings this boy to these disciples and he says, if you can do anything, please help my child. And the disciples do everything they could, but they couldn't cast this demon out. They couldn't get rid of the problem. They couldn't bring deliverance and freedom to this young boy. We have to remember that the disciples were not untrained. We know that Jesus sent them out previous to this with all authority. They were casting out demons. They were healing the sick. They were cleansing lepers. This was the lifestyle of the disciples. But here, they come up against a mountain that they had no answers for. And 
Jesus comes at that perfect time, walks into the scene when there's chaos, when people are arguing, and he says, bring the boy here. He, he speaks to that. He, he, he curses the demon. The demon leaves. The boy's set free. Everybody's happy except for the disciples. And just like you, or, or we, they would, would just, we would have been just like them and asked Jesus, how come we couldn't cast that demon out? And Jesus says, well, these things only come out by prayer and fasting. That's a summary of the story, but we're going to have a look at some scripture here and go through a few points. I want to make a few points about this passage, then I'm going to wrap it all up. Then we're going to pray for people and the Holy Ghost is going to hit this place. Is that all right? Awesome. All right. Verse 14, it says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Let's just stop there for a moment. Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, he doesn't say, where have you misplaced your faith? He doesn't say, where is your faith? He says, unbelieving people. The implication is that they still had their faith, It was just that there was unbelief that actually diluted the faith, diluted the power to set this boy free in this scenario. It's interesting to have a think about what the disciples are facing here. Here the disciples are without Jesus and this boy is brought to them. And like I said before, they had had experience with casting out demons. They had seen the sick healed, they had seen lepers cleansed and all of a sudden this boy is brought to them and it's not working. As soon as they start to cast this demon out, guess what happens? This demon manifests, starts foaming at the mouth, rolling on the ground, makes the boy rigid, all these things. All of a sudden, something else is taking their attention away from the plan of God. All of a sudden in this moment, the enemy is putting on a display that is wanting to take their attention away from the very will of God, which is to see this boy delivered and set free. There's this event going on, there's foaming of the mouth, there's all these external things going on that cause them to potentially doubt. It causes a thought to go through their mind and maybe they were thinking this, do we really have authority over this type? The reality is, is that Jesus had given them all authority and here they are because of this event of, of the manifestation of a demon, they're starting to question and allow doubt and unbelief 
in their minds. To the very point where this boy is left in the same condition. Right now we're living in a, a world that's in chaos, aren't we? We're living in a world that's full of uncertainty. Who's booking a holiday for next week? Oh, someone's got faith. That's good. <laughs> the reality is we, 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 don't know, we don't know even if we'll be meeting here next Sunday. We're living in a world full of uncertainty. We're living in a world full of fear because of this epidemic that's across our, 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 our world. And I want to challenge us this morning to, we don't want to live in denial, but we, we can't be impressed by the enemy. Denial is not the answer, but at the same time, we can't be impressed in what the enemy is doing. There's a lot of stuff on social media. There's a lot of things that would want to come and, 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 and consume our thought processes, consume our time. And a lot of it, there may be some stuff that's good, but a lot of it is actually just things that would actually feed that unbelief. They're seeds that would want to come and land in our garden. These seeds of unbelief, these seeds of doubt. Busyness is huge for this. Busyness and being obsessed with the cares of this world is a place where these seeds germinate in our hearts. These seeds germinate in our lives. Worry, fear, anxiety. Do you know it's possible to just be driving along one day and be like, oh, I've got a sore shoulder. And then all of a sudden, it's possible for a thought process to go and think, I wonder if there's an underlying issue that's more sinister to my sore shoulder. It's possible that with about an hour of thinking about this, and we don't realize that we could end up thinking, hey, there might be an underlying issue, a serious issue in my body. It's then possible to jump onto Dr. Google, which, by the way, is great, but to actually start Googling and jump on forums and actually come to the conclusion that I've got a terminal illness all because I didn't remove that thought that was an absolute lie. And here we are. It's, it, it's, it can be possible for us to go down days, weeks, even months in stress, anxiety because we've allowed doubt, we've allowed these seeds of thought of, of doubt and unbelief in our lives because we just should switch the phone off. Social media, TV, the news, all these things are great forums. But I would challenge you. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you watch. I heard this quote. I put it in my phone, it was from some time ago, I'm not sure who it was from, but I could have a pretty good guess. But this is what it says. 
If you have more input from social media than you do from the Word of God, your discouragement is self-inflicted. You cannot have a garden and have a key to the gate and invite the enemy in to plant weeds and then moan to God about it. Oh, I felt that one. Let me read it again. If you have more input from social media and you can fill in the blanks than you do from the Word of God, your discouragement is self-inflicted. You cannot have a garden and have a key to the gate and invite the enemy in to plant weeds and then moan to God about it. The point is that we've got to be careful what we allow in our lives. We've got to be careful who we associate with. We've got to be careful what conversations we're having. We're going to, we have to be careful that the thought process, that the mindsets that we have actually line up with the Word of God. Otherwise, we end up with this faith that is extremely potent, is extremely powerful, yet it's being diluted, it's being reduced because of unbelief and doubt. Verse 20. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. How many have been there? I'm there all the time. We do believe, but Lord, help me with my unbelief. Let's stop there. The father of this child came to Jesus and he said, If you can. And Jesus turned around and and switched the tables on it and said, No, no, no. The question is, if you can believe. This is interesting. For us, the biggest problem is the mountain in front of us. The challenge, the sickness, the relationship issue, the bank balance, the turmoil in our life, the addiction, you fill in the blank. And we say to the Lord, Lord, if you can, and what he says, through a father's heart full of love and compassion, he whispers and says, my darling daughter, the question is, if you can believe. My son, through eyes of compassion, he says, If you can believe, anything is possible. I love this verse because I think the world, I think Kabulcha is yet to see what it really looks like when people have faith that is not affected by doubt and unbelief to turn this community upside down. Where we can say nothing is impossible, not because ourselves, but because of Him. This excites me. This excites me to keep moving forward because it means that we've only just scratched the tip of the iceberg. Let's keep reading. 
I'm nearly finished. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he is dead. Great encouragement, isn't it? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And verse 29, he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer, prayer and fasting. There's a couple of things I want to say here as I finish up, and that's that Jesus actually neither prayed in this scenario, nor did he run off and fast and come back and deliver the boy. But what he is telling us, the lesson he's teaching us is that this type only comes out through a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It's like Jesus already had the, something in the bank that he was ready to make a withdrawal. Something was already inside of him. It was a lifestyle of, of being with the Father that he could see the freedom come to this boy. What Jesus is saying here is that the whole point of this, this lesson, if you will, is to, first of all, he's talking about the potency of faith, the effect that unbelief has in, in competing seeds in the garden. And then he finishes it by saying the antidote to get rid of that unbelief, those seeds, those things that compete and affect our faith, dilute our faith, is through prayer and fasting. How many know that fasting is an invitation? How many of you have failed miserably of fasting? I'll be the first one to put my hand up. Yeah, I love food. But fasting is this. Fasting is simple, it's this. It's having a hunger for something we can't see over what we can see. This is fasting. It's this appetite that we have for the unseen realm over the natural thing that our five senses can can experience. This is what fasting is. This is what prayer and fasting is. It's, it's tapping into a reality. We're talking to a God we can't see. We're, we're anchoring our affections and our value in communication to God that we can't see over things that we can't experience. This is what Jesus is saying. Prayer and fasting teaches us, it, it, it creates an appetite for the things we cannot see. This is because faith actually operates in the unseen. And unbelief operates in the scene. 
We have to get this point because this is the whole point of the thing. Is that when the disciples saw the boy, before he was set free by Jesus, he started foaming at the mouth, convulsed and on the ground. All of a sudden, their faith that was in the unseen, the will of God for freedom to come to this boy, all of a sudden, the scene. What is the scene? It's the foaming at the mouth. It's the convulsion. It's the lying on the floor. It's the symptoms. It's that external thing that we see and perceive in our minds. This is the scene. And all of a sudden, those things started to dictate. It started to dilute their faith because faith operates in the unseen. Through prayer and fasting, we begin to experience a life that isn't ruled by what we see. It actually goes beyond that. It actually taps into an unseen realm. Of course, it's all founded in the person of Jesus. But it taps into an unseen realm that believes that what he said, he will do. It means that, like I said right at the beginning, the promise of God in our lives, and and here we are in reality world, And there's the promise. This is what faith does. Even though we see the realities in our lives. I know it's not easy when you're going through it. There's people here that you've got mountains bigger than I've got. I don't deny that. But this is the point. This is the encouragement today. Is when God's given us a word. Maybe you're here and you've got a terminal illness and God has given you a prophetic word. You've seen something in Scripture. You know the will of God for your life. I encourage you to do some gardening. I encourage you to to remove those seeds of, of doubt and unbelief. Maybe it literally means that sometimes you've got to pull the TV out of the wall. Maybe it means that the phone's got to go away for a second. Maybe you've got to be extremely selective with what you listen to, who you hang around and that type of thing. But I would encourage you, He says to you, daughter, anything is possible to those who believe. Son, anything is possible to those who believe. Like I said right at the beginning, Jesus just didn't give us faith so that we could enjoy the journey a bit better. It's actually the delivery system to get from here to there. It's actually the delivery system to work through, to walk through that miracle that you believe in God for, is faith. Right at the beginning, I talked about a song that I had a dream about. And we're going to play it in a moment. And as we're playing this song, we're just going to open up the front here if anyone wants to come forward and get prayer. Maybe through these lockdowns you feel isolated and you feel like you need someone to encourage you in your faith. Maybe you feel like you've actually allowed seeds of unbelief, of doubt, to come in and start to dictate to you what God has said over your life. One and a half weeks ago, 
the Lord visited me and injected me with faith. The scripture says, freely you have received, freely give. The leaders here would love to pray and believe with you this morning that we'll see you walk through in faith. I believe this morning is a significant time. Extremely significant. The Lord is looking for people of faith. That song that we're about to sing and sing together is written, like I said, by Chris from Jesus Culture. And I only found out a few days ago that he actually wrote this song after his baby died. It was a declaration about the goodness of God. It's a declaration about the fact that we believe. The fact that we believe. This week I was reading a verse and it was, it was challenging me about the childlike nature that we are to come to God with. And I was thinking about this and I thought, yeah, this childlike nature that he calls us to be goes hand in hand with our ability to believe and have faith. Right now I have a son who's five years old and he believes everything I say. I know it won't always stay that way. But right now, he believes everything I say. If I went and said to him, Thomas, we're going to go flying today. We're going to go up on the roof and we're going to jump off and we're going to fly down into the yard. He would do that. He would literally jump off the roof. He comes home from kindy and says, oh, dad, someone, someone said this. And I look it in the eye and I say, this is the truth. And he says, okay. He runs off. He's at an age where he believes everything I say. This is the type of thing that Jesus is calling us to, is to this childlike faith where we're believing God for a miracle, but there's conflicting seeds. There's there's conflicting words. There's conflicting reports. And we just look back into the eyes of him and say, hey, I'm just going to stick with you. This is the faith he's looking for is that amongst anyone else's experience, amongst what doctors will tell you, what society will tell you, what anyone will tell you, it's that simplistic faith that says, hey, you're my father, and I look into your eyes, and when I look into your eyes, faith that begins to arise. So Brandon, if you could start that song now. If you can this morning, would you stand? Maybe you know this song and you just want to sing along with the words. Or maybe you just want to come forward and get prayer. Get someone to stand with you and believe God for what you're going through. Amen.